I was muted. Hello, welcome to For We Are Many. <laughs> Hi, I'm Trisha. I'm Rob. <laughs> That's Caitlin. You might be frozen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have a very special guest on today. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I kind of just want to let you uh, introduce yourself. Uh, but he's a filmmaker and activist um, and a music aficionado, so I hear. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, music is my life, and my file of music is over there. I'm going to have to go get it at some point. It's on a table. Um, but hi, everyone. Um, my name is Daryl, and I like to make Nazis cry. I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the best intro I've seen. <laughs> yes. Um, so obviously you've got a, a pretty good amount of work that people can check out. Um, you've got movies, you've got a podcast, you've got uh, the One People's Project. Do you want to talk a little bit about your work? And, and, I'm, work um, and I'm working on an amusement park. What? Land. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine what that would look like. But, yeah, uh, right. That's what I'm thinking. Like, what? Why <laughs> <Like> a Nazi? <laughs> That's exactly what my brain was picturing. Like, that should be so fun. Um. <laughs> Punch Richard Spencer from Points. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Oh, boy. See but, how uh, far but, you can bring that bell. <laughs> <laughs> what would our haunted house look like? Oh. That could my be old, pretty my dark. Indianapolis going crazy the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess to kick this off, I know you wanted to talk about um, the upcoming Amran um, and. Actually, I, I kind of just skipped ahead. Actually, I wanted you to like introduce where people can find your work. Um, I, I know that, like I like I said, you've got an active podcast going. You've got um, at least two movies that I know of. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more I haven't heard of. I'm actually working on I'm working on several several things to be honest. Um, and um, I'm I'm actually going to be working on it at the uh, what you call it at the. Uh, American Renaissance Conference, speaking of a carnival. Um, there, um, for those that don't know, my, um, my name is Dalaman Jenkins, as uh, you can see over there somewhere. Um, I, um, I am the executive director of One People's Project. I've been on um, programs such as, I've been in documentaries such as Alt-Right Age of Rage, which you can find on Netflix. Um, I've been depicted in movies um, such as Skin, um, which is about a neo-Nazi that I helped get out of the white power scene. Mike Coulter, who you can currently see on the TV show Evil and who played Luke Cage on Netflix, um, played me. Uh, there were um, other projects um, that are in the works. Oh, by the way, the short film Skin, um, I am listed as a producer, and that means I won an Oscar because it won the Oscar for Best Live Short in 2019. And um, currently, I'm working on a few things. Um, and this is all the Hollywood side of it. This is all the media 
and stuff. I'm working on um, a, this, um, this, there's a um, student crew out of Villanova that's working on a documentary about myself. And there is supposed to be a mini series done about me. We're basically trying to hash out what the script is going to look like on that right now. Chadwick Boseman signed on to that before he passed away. And I'm still working with his people on that. So um, this is one of the things he wanted to see get done, even if he wasn't here. Um, but that's the fun stuff. The real stuff, the, um, the serious stuff, um, basically trying to um, let people know who's who and what's what in, um, in the hate scene and basically what to do about it. And um, that's one of the reasons why we are going down to Tennessee this weekend to deal with the um, American Renaissance Conference um, that takes place there every year. Um, and uh, we don't know what to expect. We don't know how many people we're going to have because, um, you know, COVID has lessened um, the numbers a bit. But um, but we're going to be there. And, and we think it's real, um, really important to be there this year because of all the um, nonsense that we saw on January 6th and the fact that they have a speaker that was at January 6th at the Capitol. Um, so um, it gives you an idea of what kind of... Um, crowd what kind of element we are facing and we need people to start jumping on board we need to start um we need to get people to start doing things about this crowd um before they kill someone i mean the only reason right. why we see um we, we talk about charlottesville as much as we have or talk about january 6th as much as we have is because people died and we that should not be the thing that triggers you the thing that triggers you is should be their mere presence, period. Um, and everything right. every time I see um us doing things after January 6th or after Charlottesville, that effectively shuts them down. Every time I see Twitter or Facebook or just some random corporate entity um just shutting them down, shutting them down after um after something tragic happens. I'm just sitting there looking at it going, and you had the power in you all along. And we could have stopped this a long time ago. And we're still there. We're still doing that thing. And we're trying we're trying our best to discourage people from doing it and to start taking action now because the for all you know, the next person that could be killed by these characters could be you. Could be somebody you care about. Right. I mean, the main reason why we do what we do is because these characters have a penchant of hurting people. It is their M.O. It is what they live by, live for, hurting people. You people. And you might be the person that they have their sights on next. They probably won't even know you exist when they hurt you. They don't need to. You do exist, and somehow you got in their way. So, do let's try to um, discuss how we can do something about them before they hurt us, as a community, as a people, as individuals. So, and that's so the American Renaissance. Uh, you pointed out that it's coming up soon. What are the dates, and how do people get involved if they want to be there to show support? Not for American, them, obviously, but no, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> the American Renaissance Conference is taking place on November twelfth to the fourteenth. Um, 
at Montgomery Bell State Park in um, in Burns, Tennessee. It's about 45 to an hour away from Nashville. Um, and the reason why they're there is because we kind of like chased them to Tennessee. They used to have their conferences years ago. They used to have their conferences in Washington, D.C. proper. Um, and wow. it was a selling point for a lot of folks. It was the white supremacist C-SPAN, I mean, white supremacist CPAC, conservative political action conference. And for a long time, they flew under the radar and was even, um, reason why C-SPAN came up, they were even, um, their, their conferences were even shown on C-SPAN. You can still wow. see, um, you can still see them on the C-SPAN website. Um, and we started making noise about them in about 2002, 2004, 2006, 2008, um, people started coming out to protest for real um, to the point where, and, and I would say in 2000, there was protest. There's generally protest. Anti-racist action would be out there. But in 2008, um, the press decided to start um, asking them the right questions. And that, to give you an idea of how much of a concern these characters are, um, that was the reason why a upstate New York prosecutor got fired from his job because he he was there attending the um, conference and he spoke to the press because he thought it wasn't a problem to speak to the press. There was no threat. I'm sorry, that was 2006 when, when that happened. 2008 was when we started having massive protests. Um, the reason why they're concerned reason why uh, uh, American Renaissance is a concern is because of that kind of influence. Um, Wasn't Unite of, the Right born at um, American Renaissance as well? Mm, yes, yes. Um, they have the kind, they have a political influence. They have the influences um, with politicians in Amia. So um, Jared Taylor, who... Um, who published American Renaissance, it's a publication, it's considered the genteel racist or whatever. And, <laughs> um, and really he is considered by a lot of folks to be the well from which um, the so-called alt-right springs. So these conferences, we managed to get chased out of um, Washington DC and we got them chased out of Charlotte's, North, Charlotte, North Carolina. Their refuge has been for the past almost a decade has been this park in Tennessee where they have a resort area where they have their conference. And because it is such a safe space for this crowd, they have been um, basically flocking to this conference and another one that has started to um, hold their events there. Um, as of late, um, something that's put together by the Council of Conservative Citizens and the American Freedom Party. So there's actually two white power conferences happening in this park. In 2017, Carol, yes. Would you say that it's more accurate to say it was fine-tuned at American Renaissance? In alt-right Age of Rage, you see guest speaker Richard Spencer excited mm -hmm. after the conference and saying we did really good work. We're moving on to bigger things. So do you think a better way of saying it is things are fine-tuned? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what happened in um, 2017 when they had the um, American Renaissance Conference was that, you know, you're talking right after Trump was elected. We are now like 
what are we saying, seven months into the Trump presidency, quote unquote, and they are over the moon. They are feeling their oats. So they're trying to get as much out of it as they can. Um, and even though that there were conferences, there was a number of rallies before in Charlottesville about the statues that are, as of this year, no longer um, standing. Um, but they really wanted to go all out on August 12th of that year. So two weeks before the um, so-called Unite the Right rally, um, though the organizers, including Richard Spencer, were there talking about um, and inviting people to, um, to the Unite the Right rally. And one of the important things, if you watch Alt-Right Age of Rage, you'll hear Spencer say that he expected it to be dramatic, some say traumatic for the liberals in Charlottesville. And this was two weeks before. And this is one of the reasons why Alt-Right Age of Rage is um, being presented as evidence at the um, current trial, the um, civil suit that's um, taking place in Charlottesville right now. So it, it tells us, incidentally, going back to what I was saying earlier, that we know what's coming before the tragedy, you know? In many respects, there is no excuse for our inactivity at this point. We know what they are going to do. They tell us. And they definitely told us two weeks before Charlottesville, you know, we knew exactly what was going to happen in Charlottesville, although maybe not exactly because I didn't expect anyone to die. I really didn't. I've never seen that at a um, at a rally before, but it happened. And but uh, Richard Spencer did declare his intent right there to traumatize. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's one thing to bear That's in mind. Something to take heed of. Yes, you do because the fact of the matter is, just because I didn't expect them expect anyone to lose their life. It was always a possibility. Um, it most certainly isn't due to lack of trying on their part, because they've always say, they've always have said that that's what they want to do. They want to hurt people. They want to kill people. And they've always said that. And they managed to get someone killed. They had actually managed to do it. And, um, and you've, and here they are still having a conference. And what are they doing? They're having a conference with someone who was at January 6th, where they also said they wanted to kill people. Vincent James Fox is going to be speaking at the American Renaissance Conference this weekend. Another interesting thing about it is um, a woman, a, a columnist named Michelle Malkin is going to be speaking there. Now, Michelle Malkin is a dark-skinned Filipino woman with a Jewish husband, two biracial children, who for the past 20, maybe 25 years, has um, been writing articles, writing columns, complaining about diversity. Some of those columns even showed up on white nationalist websites like VDARE. Wow. She is very close to them to the point that the so-called Groiper movement, the Nick Fuentes American First crowd, um, look up to her as, you know, as a mentor. Um, they call her mommy. And she's going to be speaking at this thing at, at American Renaissance. 
So you're going to have the Groyper movement that's represented by Vincent James Fox and Michelle Malkin at American Renaissance. And also, Groypers are going to be over at Gracie Mansion in New York City on Saturday as well. Nick Fuentes is supposed to be up there on Saturday. So they're trying to gain some sort of influence um, amongst the um, conservatives in this country. And all we need to do, all we need to do is recognize it so that they don't. Aren't they also importing some Nazis? Are they still coming from overseas? We don't know. Um, we're talking about Ruben Caleb out of Estonia and Drews, Dries van Legenhove out of um, Belgium. Uh, there are two politicians in their respective countries, and they were listed as um, speakers at this event. It looks like they're going to be doing it um, via satellite. It doesn't look like they're going to be coming into the country. Oh, yeah, that's right. We can digitally import our Nazis now. Nice. Yes, yes. Yeah, nice. But they have attended uh, the conferences in the past. It's at least Ruben Caleb has. He's spoken at the conference um, in person. And that's one of the things to um, bear in mind. Unfortunately, we're not going to um, shut it down this year. That means there's going to be a conference next year. And now that the United States is open to international travel again, as of, I guess, yesterday, uh, we are going to start seeing them bringing those speakers from overseas to um, speak to our, um, to speak to our fascists here. One of the people that I remember that spoke to, um, that came from overseas to speak was a guy from South Africa who wants to bring back apartheid and is willing to engage in the civil war there in order to do it. And he spoke to our fascists. That's important to, um, to recognize. And we have to um, basically start saying, no, you're not allowed in this country. I mean, if Hungary and all the, um, and a number of countries in Europe can keep Richard Spencer out, then we can keep them out as well when they come from overseas. So we are going to really have to start. I think what is going to be important as we go forward is, yeah, we're going to be out there again this year as we always are. But immediately after this conference, we got to start um, organizing for the next one and to see whether or not we can keep it from getting, um, from even starting. We could probably shut it down. We need to shut this down. We need to end uh, their ability to network um, with violent actors that are looking to um, cause some drama here in the United States. We need to do that. I'm surprised that Hungary, you know, it's such a right-wing country and even they banned Spencer and it kind of just draws attention to what you said in alt-right age of rage too. I mean, we value freedom of speech in this country more than people's lives, it seems mm -hmm. like. Well, the thing is, I mean, freedom of speech should not be a death sentence, honestly. I mean, we can say whatever the heck we want to say, but do not let that, do not use that as a cop-out you know do not use that as a way to stay out of an art um to just end an argument because that's bullshit that's not fair i mean truth of the matter is when you guys say the best way to fight hate speech 
is with more speech and we use that more speech and then you come out and say well really you should just ignore them you're not helping and that's what we get all the time there's always seemed to be this pushback from um folks who just simply do not want us to um fight these characters and yet we have to so free speech has always been used as a you know as a way to just stop the um stop the discussion and then and that's has to um i guess the uh the impulse to do that uh needs to be put in check seriously because you're not helping anybody if you're doing that absolutely that's something that i love that you pointed out in alt-right age of rage that just because your free speech is protected legally doesn't mean you are protected from ethical consequences for your actions you should still be held to an ethical standard and hate speech is not okay um, mm -hmm. um that's something that people need to remember we still have to hold people accountable for the shit they're going out there saying even if the law is not going to i see and that's one of the reasons why i always take issue with the crap that bill maher has been saying in recent weeks um on his television show I mean, it's one thing to complain about cancel cultures and and to talk about being a free speech advocate and all of that. But when you're telling folks on your side to, and this was his words a couple of weeks ago in regards to how, how we're coming at um, his friends on the right, um, when you're telling them to, quote, shut the fuck up, you're giving away your store you're telling us that you do not you're trying to protect the assholes and you don't want anybody in the way of that i mean i remember a couple of years ago janine garofalo comedian and john fund this conservative um pundit was on the show and john fund was talking mad trash for a good five ten minutes um zinging zinging one person after the next and bill maher said nothing as soon as Janine Garofalo zinged him right back, that's when Bill Maher piped up with, oh, that's not necessary. And it's like, uh-uh, no, you don't do that. Janine Garofalo was pissed. Janine Garofalo was pissed when he did that. And it's, and, and it speaks, and the reason why I keep bringing up Bill Maher is because all the problems that we have with the liberal slash centrist side um, seems to be amplified whenever um you see it in um when you see it on bill maher's show you see exactly what the problem is when it comes to people like him and uh once you see it it freaks you the hell out a lot of people are starting to look at bill maher with it um in a different light than they used to in the past they don't see him as our friend and this is one of the reasons why It's really fucking sad to see people who, you know, have that type of platform using it to defend the quote unquote free speech rights of utter fucking bigots. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but then again, you take a look at what the fact that Bill Maher is a bigot himself. I mean, do not get him started on the, um, on, on Muslims and, and how he tries to defame them. There. how he tries to destroy their lives i mean one of the things i remember uh if i remember correctly he would talk 
about I don't think he's not so much talking about CRT. I gotta see where he stands on CRT a little bit more. But um but critical race theory. But I do recall him talking about how white people shouldn't be made to feel guilty or anything like that. However, remember the kid that built the um clock in a suitcase and every and all of his teachers mistook it for a bomb and he got in trouble. Yeah. Bill Maher's response to that was to say that that kid needs to understand that people are afraid of his culture, of his religion, and of the people that represent it. So now he's trying to make that 14-year-old kid feel guilty. 14-year-old kid um, feel ashamed of himself. And this is also, by the way, the same Bill Maher who said that Muslims don't believe in science. And here's this kid who was showing otherwise. So, you know, this is, and, and you listen to this, and this is the liberal mindset that you're dealing with. This is the liberal mainstream mindset that we're fighting today. They're the reasons why we have to keep on going through all the hurdles to deal with this fascist threat that we have been seeing in the country um, on display for the past five years. I mean, it's always been here. But now it's pretty much like, look at me, I'm fascist. Yeah, <laughs> it's been very, very front and center since uh, since Trump came into the mainstream. Really? Yeah. Well, here's the fun part: Trump never really talked like this before. I mean, Trump it, may have right. may have had his problems back in the day. I mean, he could be problematic from time to time, but not like this. Not like I this. Think I think he thoroughly enjoyed the fact that all the inflammatory shit coming out of his mouth was congregating a bunch of racist fucking white people to back him. I think that's the only fucking way that he even got the support that he needed in order to win the fucking election in the first place was because he got all these people who are downright fucking bigots in every aspect of the term to light a fire under their fucking asses like, yeah, we're being represented now. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. The fact that um, and this is and this speaks to um, the fact that ultimately this is bigger than Trump. Um, Richard Spencer held a conference during the um, Conservative Political Action Conference in 2015. In February 2015, um, Richard Spencer had something at the National Press Club. Um, it was basically trying to um, get um, people trying to recruit from the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is basically a place where young right-wingers get together to meet and network and all. Um, and we see it on C-SPAN every year. He held this thing, and we had folks that were out, um, that were just outside the door um, and just videotaping. The video is actually on, on, on our um, YouTube page, channel, um, One People's Project TV. And one of the guys was talking to a black woman. Yes, you heard that correctly. Um, outside in the lobby. We got this all on video. And you can hardly hear them talk until he started talking about, why don't we get Trump in there? Trump will change all of this around. We can do this. We can get Trump in. This was in February 2015. Trump didn't <laughs> even announce he was running for president until June. He wasn't even on the radar. And then he becomes, he goes into the White House and 
the world of release this this nation gets topsy-turvy and now we got to repair it right that's the, like shit like that probably incentivized him to go ahead and run you know when i think it was the late 90s or early 2000s there was an interview that he had done where he literally said you know well i'm not thinking about running for president but if i ever did i would probably run republican because basically they're the dumbest voting group out there is what he was saying in this interview that and wasn't a real, can i be can I, um that was an internet meme he actually did not say that however um i remember um an interview with george magazine around that time he was talking about how he, if he was president, he'll probably raise the rents more and all that. He was joking around about that. I actually still have that um, that issue somewhere in this office right now. But yeah, he's all, he he ran he, he was um he ran for the reform in um in two thousand under the Reform Party ticket, and he was supposed to be the antithesis to Pat Buchanan, who was what Donald Trump eventually became. And and people find that odd. And my attitude again is that Trump is in it for Trump. Trump will always gravitate towards those that support him. And that means it's bigger than Trump. He is just a vehicle for the worst people in society. And the fact that he was a relatively effective vehicle should give us all cause for pause. We thought that we answered these questions maybe 60, 70, 80 years ago. We don't want Nazis in power. Right. We do have civil rights in this country. You know, of course, they're fleeting in this country. They're not supposed to be that fleeting. So now right. we realize that we have ourselves right. a problem and it's going to be dealt with in ways that we do not we never even imagined because the truth of the matter is if we stand we can stand down we can pull back on a lot of the things that we um should be doing but they're not doing that they're not doing that so while you're Fuck slowing no, they're down prepared. They're they're working. yeah i mean truth be told they recognize that we're prepared too Otherwise, they wouldn't. Um, otherwise, they would have um, moved a little faster themselves. Yeah, I mean, they they picked up their pace, but they also know where to stop. Like I said, we don't start making moves until somebody dies. How many times have we heard them say they're really going to kick a lot of ass and all that? How many times do we have to see they're going to start dangling us from helicopters? You got to get to those helicopters first. Some of us do know how to fight back, and moment right. you make that wrong move all of us know how to fight back so they know that they know they have to play it cool i mean it's good to talk trash online it's good to make those silly little internet memes you don't they don't want it to get real because we get real but we should not wait for them to make it real it should already be real with us because they also know that all they got to do is just chill for a little bit, put their people in the right spots, play it cool, and we won't do anything until it's too late. As far, at least that's their thinking. My thinking is don't let it get to the point where it's too late. 
Right. It shouldn't take bodies dropping to speak up and be should like, not. wait a minute, this is fucked up. We can't allow this. <laughs> you know? It should not. Right. You could be the body that drops. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, like, over the last five years, I ultimately all of this has pushed me so hard to the left. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm just like squashed against the wall at this point, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't I, I don't know. But the, the, <laughs> the point is, over the is last the five years, you're talking about you smushed up against. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is, though, that over the last five years, I've seen a lot of people making the same realizations that I have, or that Trisha has. Um, yeah. you, you know, like no longer is this acceptable, no. right? And even a lot of liberals have come to that point. Right. Like if it first in Trump's presidency, people kind of just played it off like, oh, can't talk about politics at Thanksgiving anymore. But over the last like year or two, it's been like, no, I'm going to call out my racist uncle. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I mean, we're seeing uh -huh. this this people play out in that. our families. So that's an important step that I think has been missing for a long time. This should have been settled at the fucking kitchen table 60 years ago. Right. And the thing is, it really should. It goes, it goes back to the point part where I said that people started taking action after people died. Um, yeah, they were they were nervous about it when Trump became president. They freaked the fuck out after Charlottesville. They really freaked the fuck out after um, after January 6th. Um, and. It's no room for I mean. It's pretty much they all say, um, why can't you just talk to them now? It's like we were talking. Then you guys decided to kill people. Right. Then you decided to take away my rights because I'm transgender or something. I'm not allowed to go into the bath to a bathroom because you wanna um be, because communism. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now it's now now it's gotten real. Now now we see our rights being siphoned off and people getting killed. That is at this point nothing to talk about now. You have decided what you're going to do. Now we're going to decide what we're going to do, and we're better at this than you. That's what the complaints about cancer culture in it and Antifa is all about. They know we can pick this. We can put up a good fight to the point that they can um they can be neutralized rather effectively. So um, and to which I say, yo, all we got to do is just put up that fight. I just want to highlight the value of um, Daryl for media and as media. I met him in New Jersey. I was a local reporter. Rob, I'm, same as you, I'm watching my own family get radicalized. I'm watching town meetings crazier and crazier, blatant racism, and there was no space in the media, mainstream media, anywhere to talk about it or write about it. And finding Daryl and finding his independent media and what he's doing, I mean, it's a lifeline. He was the only one I found. Mm -hmm. um, there's more people doing what he's doing, but I mean, Daryl, you're like the godfather of it. <laughs> you were public about it. You were open to your own detriment and safety. But In the I title mean, for this video, I thought about sarcastically, yeah. like, titling it, uh, you know, uh, like with your name and put in parentheses CEO of Antifa just to like <laughs> piss people off. That's already been done. Is that, hey, hey, look, Washington Post has already called me the father of doxing. So, 
so 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 uh, I mean. I, I, I keep on making jokes about the powdered wig that I need to get, and I got to get an oil painting done and a frilly shirt, you know. So, uh, and me, uh, that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> but, I, but I haven't done it yet. I mean, I don't want anybody to look at me funny because I spent money on some shit like that. Um, when I should that's, be spending that's on fair. that. <laughs> but the hey, truth just of the find matter a local, is, like acting troupe and ask them if they have a costume you can borrow and a bag. Cadillacs to go with it too, like judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> you never know. There might be a, a local acting crew that, you know, can uh, float you those items for a photo shoot. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask, but but there is also the matter of the fact that I'm 350 pounds. Um, costumes of my size um, are fleeting, are rare. <laughs> so... I may just have to go with the powdered wig, but then again, I got a fat head, so who knows? That might not. Be <laughs> uh, it's all that information you carry. I I call you a filing. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, you're a human filing cabinet of white nationalist information. I mean, you really are. You're a rolodex on it. You also make doxing not a dirty word. You know, a lot of people use doxing for dangerous methods. You don't. You're saying here's this guy. Here's where, you know, what field he's in to civil service. And here's what he's planning to do to you and which people. Well, it's like my friend Yenta, um, Laura out of um, D.C., who's been on my right hand for a number of years, said on um, 2020, he said, look, if you're a teacher and you're teaching these kids, yeah, you damn right you're getting doxxed. Absolutely. Right. Because, I mean, you think about it like this. There was a guy, back to American Renaissance, there was a guy who was on the Queen's school board named Frank Bozzolari, um, who got famous for wanting to take um, Martin Luther King books off the, um, off of school shelves. And he became a darling um, and a speaker over at the American Renaissance Conferences in years past. And eventually, you know, he, he got off the school board because they reconfigured what school boards in New York City was going to be like. And he took a job as a school principal in the Bronx. And everybody, oh, no. yeah, that's pretty much what everybody said after they realized who he was. So that's a danger to the community directly. Directly. So they bounced him. He was in a he was in a Catholic school, I believe. He was in a Catholic school, and he wasn't on anybody's radar for some strange, ungodly reason. So he got fired, and. We didn't hear from him for a couple of um, months. Then we found out he was a school principal at a at a school in Erie, Pennsylvania, under a different name. Wow! Not a scary thing. How's he even he getting away with that shit? Well, that's a good question. Because after he got fired from that school, we haven't heard from him. We don't know where he is. Makes me. Makes me wonder if he took another alias, which is why it's so important, the work that you're doing here, that includes their photos to be able to identify him. Because if they start going by different names, just to fucking go under the radar somewhere else, no, we still need to be able to identify them and expose them for where they're at now. That's exactly it. Um, and in the case of that guy, he could be teaching your kids right now. He could be a principal at your schools right now. 
he could be causing a lot of black and brown children some grief right now. Daryl just caught Gerald, Jared Taylor incognito trying to hide in D.C. recently. Nobody else recognized him, but Daryl's like, hi, Mr. Taylor. Why are you in D.C.? <laughs> what are you up to? I wonder if he's still going to have his porn stash when we see him this um this weekend. <laughs> he's normally clean shaven, but when um he was at um the um the Free the Insurrectionist rally that they had on September 25th over outside the U.S. Capitol, and um I I started walking around and I um actually I got a call from somebody saying Yo Jared Taylor's here and I was like Really? Oh, this is gonna be fun. And it was fun because he's like dressed down. He's wearing like um, a, a sun hat, um, shorts, sandals, and a porn stash. He, he a porn stash. He looks like a beach tourist. It was so weird of a costume. I don't know. He's like, this is how I'll, I'll be a regular white nationalist. I don't know. So I talked. Yeah. So I talked to him for a couple of. Um, for a couple of uh, minutes, and then he said he had to get going. And then I told him I see him in November. <laughs> so, uh, but um, the man is dangerous. The man can hurt people. So um, there's only but so much joking around that one can do before you realize that hey, uh, this ain't funny anymore. <laughs> right. Nothing Absolutely. fucking humorous about it at all. Because his influence and reach there for spreading his fucked ideals that right there that's dangerous that's inflaming so many more racist people and making them feel like like they now have this platform that they fucking carry right. this shit out and the spread and of these ideals the is dangerous and they had the platform this conference that's taking place um next weekend um, this has been their platform for the past um, um, nine years or so. Um, we need to take it away from them. If we don't do it this year, let's do it next year. Let's start reaching out to um, everyone that, um, you know, even the folks that we don't, who are not in our direct circles, even those mainstream liberals, they need to be um, aware that this is happening. Because the truth of the matter is that those who leave this conference, those who are a part of this conference, are looking to have real careers. They're not going to be these um, these boneheads that we've seen back in the day who's just going to move on and work in an auto shop or in a construction site somewhere. These are folks who want to be your cops. These are folks who want to be your teachers and your politicians. And I know this because we have seen them eventually become that if they weren't already. So right it is important for us to um be proactive against those that attend this conference even after the conference in between conferences make their lives miserable and once and for all and incidentally i should point this out before um, before i forget the state of tennessee has been coddling them for a while now <clears throat> after if you notice in all right age of rage we went right up to that um building the protest and everything it was not a problem and um in fact 
it was supposed that was supposed to be the case. I mean, the reason why American Renaissance was there because it was a public building and publicly owned facilities cannot kick you out as easily as a privately owned facility like a hotel or something that they always used. The thing about that is that a publicly owned facility is available to the public, all of the public. They could not kick us out. We can at the very least use the bathroom, use the restaurant that's inside this thing. As of 2017, as of 2018, the following year, they fortified the place, the state, um, the Tennessee State Police fortified the venue so that no one but conference attendees were allowed in that venue, that were allowed in that conference hall. Um, that did not just mean they could keep protests out, but just regular people that came to the park to enjoy it. Who folks who wanted to go into the restaurant and um, with their families, you know, they were disallowed. So basically, Jared Taylor and his crew are holding this this park hostage for the next um, for the next couple of days, and they have encouraged other um, white supremacist groups to come there and hold conferences because they know it's a safe haven. It's a safe space for that element. It almost got worse this year because the state of Tennessee was also planning on passing regulations that will forbid protesting in state parks to include that one. And let's go back to the whole discussion about free speech. So now we are talking about they are allowed their freedom of speech at the expense of ours. Right. Right. So now we know what's speech not about free speech. Exactly. And that's why I call it a cop out because it's not about free speech, it's about protecting them. After this conference, um, in, as winter rolls along, they usually have these conferences again in, in the spring and summer. Um, people need to start doing their research about American Renaissance and Jared Taylor, and those that will be um, participating in this conference, attending, and make it hell for them so that they will rethink even going to this conference. And the state of Tennessee has to be held accountable for doing what they do to protect it. Right. We're going You're to see in that thin blue line out. turn kind of white. Yes, very. Right. And we'll leave links, Daryl, to your Amran articles, your information, everything like that, too, for people to read the fuck up on this. Mm -hmm. Also, would you be interested after the conference in coming back and talking about, you know, what happened, how it went? Um, oh, yes, we will be talking. We will be talking about what happened um, afterwards, because um I think people are, we're going to have a lot more information. I think we're going to um, have to uh, all of us get together and discuss exactly what it is we need to do going forward. Um, a lot of people over the past um, couple of years have been asking how to get involved in one people's project. And I never really had an answer, but I think um, at the beginning of next year, we're going to have kind of like a virtual open house in which um, we start asking people, well, 
how do how can you contribute? We need writers, we need photographers, we need researchers, we need folks in their local areas to start contributing to OPP. That and it doesn't just have to be that. We also have to have people putting on events that will promote the kind of um, world that we all want to live in. To promote um, being active against the hate elements that we have seen around the country. I mean, when anti-racist action was um, was going strong publicly, they used to have block parties, for example. They used to have events, and I think um, we need to get back to that. We need to start campaigns that promote the idea that Black history matters, since the campaign against critical race theory um, has meant attacking people who want to talk about the contributions of people of color in this nation. So We shouldn't be calling it critical race theory. We should be calling it history. Yeah, well, that's what it is. Right. Critical race. It isn't critical race theory. They intentionally. Here's the thing about that. Um, and I know I said I only have but so much time, but I'm going. I got to put this out there. The critical race theory, um, anti-critical race theory campaigns is being um, spearheaded by the Manhattan Institute. The Manhattan Institute is an organization that was founded in 1977 by um, William Casey, who went on to become a CIA director. And, and some billionaire whose name, I'm sorry, I cannot remember right now. I'm just learning his name. But what I've known about the Manhattan Institute is that they really, really don't like us. <laughs> and their whole thing when they started in 77 was to dismantle the gains of the civil rights movement, which at that time was probably, was, um, probably what, 12 years old, a decade old, um, and also relocate black communities out of the urban areas. Now, that might sound nice now, but back then, think about what that meant. The urban areas is where we had our most, where we had our biggest influence politically. We had people that were elected to political positions in the urban areas. Relocating us out of the urban areas in 1977 would have meant relocating us to areas where we didn't have that kind of influence. So you're talking, basically they were talking about um, diminishing our ability to function. So you wonder why, um, of course, we're talking about these folks who missed the days of Jim Crow. You can say, make that argument. But then you come to um, the fact that they had taken um, the, the Manhattan Institute has taken money from the Pioneer Fund, which was um, a organization that funds the study of eugenics. One of their senior fellows, Charles Murray, is responsible for writing the bell curve, along with a gentleman named Richard Hernstein. The bell curve pushed forward the notion that black people were genetically inferior to whites. And that book was so profound amongst the white supremacist scene that it inspired Jared Taylor to go as far as he has. In recent years, they have had um, they they have had um, a woman named Heather McDonald promote um, protection of the police, despite how bad the police have been to communities of color. In fact. 
she will tell you that racial profiling does not exist, but it should. In a nutshell, that's what she would say. And most recently, in fact, last year, she published a um, a column, and I should have actually put this up before. Um, Heather McDonald, again, her a senior fe- a fellow at um, at Manhattan Institute. And there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the um, comes to the Manhattan Institute that will go on that we can go on about. But she wrote a column about how there isn't any um, white wing extremists, you know, white wing extremists, no white races out there. And her attitude about it, I never heard her give away the store this much before. But I'm going to read exactly what it is that she said in the Wall Street Journal. She wrote, she says, she accused the left of scapegoating heterosexual white males and selling it, celebrating other cultures. So she's complaining about identity politics. She says that fuels the Democrat Party. But she says, and she's talking about how um, those heterosexual white males may um, become violent, may um, join groups that want to do terroristic things. And we have been putting that out there. We have been um, basically sounding the alarm um, of us on the left. She wrote, but as advocates should be careful what they wish for. If whiteness is a legitimate topic of academic and political discourse, some individuals are going to embrace white identity proudly. That was her. That's coming from the Manhattan Institute. And they have had a profound influence on today's um, on today's political landscape. She's smart enough not to go See to that, things that like be careful. that. Be careful what you wish for line. That I with me. That's a threat. And that was in the Wall Street. That's how journey. I hear that. That line right there. That is a threat. It is. I would. Yeah. And that column was That's published. Ballsy. That column was published is um, on um, August 18, 2019. It was titled, Trump isn't the one dividing us by race. Trump isn't the one dividing, dividing us by Get race. We are by telling people, Yo, only, this is what they're doing. It's us that's telling them. It's us that's telling the world, Yo, this is what these idiots are doing. And Heather McDonald responds with, be careful what you wish for. You wonder That's why wild. we are That's so hard thing, up against too. Right. Like they want to pretend like people pointing out what they're doing is what's causing the divisiveness. And it's like, no, right. their fucking racist perspective is what's causing the divisiveness. How are we on the left, the ones causing the problem by pointing it out and saying we need to fucking solve this? Get the fuck out of it. She's delusional. And as the aforementioned Bill Maher um, would represent, the issue that we have these days is the fact that there are some people who call themselves our friends, the folks on the liberal side, the folks, the mainstream liberals and all that, they buy into that. They buy into the notion that calling out racism is worse than the racism itself. New York City is really one of the... um, was really a petri dish for the alt right 30 years ago you know it was a 
it was where I mean, I, I remember a radio talk shit host by the name of Bob Grant was promoting Jared Taylor's book, Paid with Good Attentions. That actually is on my bookshelf back here. So um and and, and in that book, Jared Taylor was promoting forced sterilization of people on welfare. And that was being promoted on 77 WABC. That's completely How is this shit even being allowed to fucking hit the air? Oh my God. Because Jared Taylor is a genteel racist. And if he doesn't say the N-word, so long as you don't don't say the N-word or just simply say, I'm not a racist, but you get a pass. I I remember back in the day, I used to say, I mean, I used to say all the Klan has to do at every rally, at the end of every rally is say, we're not racist. And then they will be allowed everywhere. And there is no better proof of that than what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> no better proof of that. But now we are in the positions, we really are in positions to do something about it a hell of a lot better than back in the day. So we just have to recognize the strength we have within ourselves and just start making moves, no matter how many of the uh, the Bill Maher-type liberals we have to um, deal with or the Jimmy Dore-type liberals that we have to... Um, let's, not, let's not leave that clown out of this. Let's, for those who don't know who Jimmy Dore is, he's, um, he's now trying to promote uh, the Boogaloo movement or, and, and has the audacity to get angry whenever somebody points that out. So, I mean, that started happening in January, and um, he's trying to talk about how he's trying to white splain Fred Hampton these days. Um, oh, trying no. to say, well, Fred Hampton, well, Fred Hampton reached out across the aisle. He worked with people who were who were um, white supremacists. No, he did not. He worked with white people, not white supremacists. Right. He's talking about right. the um, you know the Young Patriots organization. You know they had Confederate flags that they were flying back then, but it, they weren't racist. They were never fascist. They right. were just from the South, and they had a certain way about themselves. But but bottom line is they were always down, and Fred Hampton recognized that. He's not going to the Klan to say we can work together. But Jimmy Dore wants to turn that into that kind of thing. And that's where you start hearing about, if you ever hear that term Fred Hampton leftist, that's who we are talking about. Those clowns that bastardized what Fred Hampton was about. I guarantee they probably never spoke to the family. Never spoke to Fred Hampton's family. Where were they when Fred Hampton's um, tombstone was getting shot up last year? Where were they? You know, I mean... And we're talking about people of color who are pulling this shit, who, who are joining in on that. The thing is, like, the Rainbow Coalition he was trying to form wasn't about including neo-Nazis or other white supremacists. It was about including everybody on the actual left of any shade of pigment because together we're strong. It wasn't yeah. about let sure let's work with neo Nazis. Fuck no. no. For for that to right. I, I mean the so Black Panther Party really, generally tried so to not work with black nationalist organizations for the same reason. Um Bobby Seal talks about that a lot in his book. And and, and that's and right. that's important. Right. 
it was kind of like you know this is the kind of fight that we're having so um it's just what the only thing i'm shaking my head at is i i think you're giving dory too much credit i don't think he knew what okay, the fuck blue was fair. Yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I get that. that. Could be, I okay. get that. And, <laughs> but you gotta understand where I. You, you gotta understand something. I do. Okay. I do that. <laughs> I do that a lot because a lot of these people do fly under the radar. I mean, I think the reason why I'm I'm zeroing on him is because he has been spending a lot of time hyping these folks up and people, and, and you know, he did have, he does have a very, a, well, a respectable audience, shall I say, a respectably sized audience. So yeah, I, it's only because of that that I would even mention Jimmy Dore. But when you start looking at these fake ass made a care for all rallies and the end of damn war nonsense, it really is that libertarian side that Jimmy Dore had latched onto and basically amplified starting in January that is running these things. And it's and it's gonna get us killed if we don't notice it now. So that's I'm so I think the reason why I needed to bring up Jimmy Dore is because I want to get to him before he gets too big before right. he starts deserving some of the credit I might be giving him. That's the, that's the no, only- His ignorance was dangerous. I just think people give him too much credit. I, I don't think he had any idea who he was interviewing at all. And I think the kid he interviewed played him like a fiddle. But the problem with that is he won't push, he's still defending them. Right. I think that's the, that's the yeah, reason he why- he doubled I down. Yeah, when you double down, we can't help you. We gotta give you. We gotta take what you give us. I mean, he. I could say that he probably didn't know what he was dealing with. He knows now. He knows right. now. That idiot right. that we're talking about, Zachary Daughtry, he likes to go by the name Magnus. Is a supporter of Kyle Rittenhouse. You listen to this trial, and that's just scared the living daylights out of you. Jimmy Dore should be saying something. I want to hear what he has to say about. Um, about Kyle Rittenhouse and about what's going on on um, PBS these oh, days. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. I had that. actually <laughs> hoped to talk a little bit about the Rittenhouse trial with you, but I know that you're limited on time, and we're already over an hour. I'll be back. So. Hopefully, I'll be back. And the background isn't a flaming building somewhere because <laughs> the verdict went down. Because not yeah. only do we have to deal with. Um, I'm getting ready to say the Jimmy Dore trial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. But also the trial of uh, um the trial of the three people who murdered Ahmed Aubrey. Now, in that case, who knows what might happen in that? Yeah. But the fact that they um intentionally kept uh, uh, most most black people off the jury mm -hmm. is pissing people off. So if Rittenhouse yeah. gets off, and those three stooges get off. Twenty twenty, we're not gonna wait till the summer to blow things up. It's just gonna be a very warm winter, as opposed to a hot summer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not just talking about any fires that may be set during, you know. No, yeah. even proverbial and, and it's about time to light some fires under the asses of life to actually take action here 
Yeah, you know? truly. I don't want to make I don't want to make light about the fact that um, people blow things up. But I got to be real. If you are showing that you're not going to protect, and I'm talking about our our leaders, elected and otherwise. If you're showing that you are not going to do a thing to protect us from that element, then we know that we have to protect ourselves. We're getting frustrated yep. because we put you in the positions to do this. And instead of dealing with them, you're dealing with us. And that's what really right. popped off about. That's why everything popped off after George Floyd. It was kind of like, you know, we sat here. I mean, I, I made this point on Instagram a couple, um, when it happened. Since we watched as they slowly killed him for eight minutes and 43 seconds. We watched. Um, and I can just imagine, I mean, you being on that block, watching it happen and feeling there was nothing you can do but let them kill him. You got to live with that. You want to know why things blew up in Minneapolis? It's because they could not. <laughs> they could not take that kind of pressure. They could not wrap their heads around it. They didn't know what to do because we're not just talking about George Floyd at this point. We just had Ahmed Aubrey a couple of weeks prior. We just had Breonna Taylor in March. We had um karen cooper trying to call um the police on a, um, on a black man who told him and told her in central park to leash her dog we had all of that coming at us at once and said and you can't do nothing you can't do a thing well fuck you we're going to and that's why everything blew up all over the country Right, especially when even like in those multiple angles of cameras that were going, where we're in the process of killing George, and you can see the frustration in people's faces because they're screaming at him, "Stop! You're killing him!" And the other fucking pigs that were with him were pushing people back, like, "No, you'd better stand back." And how powerless they must have felt to even be able to do anything because if they had tried to step in they would have likely been another case of murder by cop they would have been gunned down or beat themselves for trying to stop them from killing george and now <clears throat> and, and, they, and they push what back. The fuck? and they push back and then in other cases every, everywhere else in the country said yes i feel this we're pushing back too so now the right feels that they can um they can come at us but they don't really try to come at us because can you because if you notice proud boys don't fight black people they no, they no. fight they fight antifa they fight those little white kids as far as it's uh, what they see they see little white kids coming out and they think they can fight them still get their asses kicked interestingly enough but they really don't fight black people they avoid that like the plague because they know that that fight will not end there <laughs> win or lose <laughs> We come to houses <laughs> and you can say, yeah, well, I got my nine ready for that. We got several. <laughs> right. That's one thing, too. They used to think that they were only having this fight against unarmed pacifists. And it's like, no, motherfuckers, you go far <laughs> enough left, you get your guns back. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we saw this over the summer in New Jersey that 
the crowd, that a couple hundred strong crowd that showed up, the police repeatedly wouldn't do anything about that violent racist in that condominium. Mm-hmm. So a few hundred people showed up in New Jersey at yeah, the guy's exactly. door and said, get him out exactly. of here or we will. <laughs> and, and that's what it took. He was charged. He was finally arrested and charged for After years. Yeah. After years. Blatant all the time. So. Well, sadly, I have to call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get the music. Oh. That's okay. That's just one more well, reason well, that you well, got to well, come back. Well, I will say that the Nazis <laughs> right. actually wrote a song about me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> higher honor could there be? Well, the well, guy says he doesn't want to talk music. music. He's a metalhead. <laughs> well, this was a punk oh, band yeah. um, called Chaos Eighty Eight. Um, it was um, the lead singer was a guy named Warren Miko. It was a couple of years ago. And the name of the song is called Dirty Daryl. I usually don't promote it because, hey, um, obviously. But it was funny as hell. It was a ring- I used it as a ringtone. Um, um, it, it, I mean, I'm sitting there listening to it. My girlfriend's pl- practicing the bass line. Uh, <laughs> was it a banger, Daryl? Did they at least do that justice? No. No, not really. <laughs> no. And, and uh, so... Uh, but I kept on getting it knocked off of YouTube because they were using my um, my videos in it. And I was just like, no, you, you can't do this. No, sorry. <laughs> right. But um, and I and I don't think when they wrote the article, when they when they wrote the song, they realized that I was part of a crew that beat down members of that group. So <laughs> back in 95, I was part of a huge melee here in New Brunswick, New Jersey where some um some of that um nazi crew came here to um visit uh, and uh and back in 95 neo-nazis were not welcoming new brunswick and they were asked to leave effectively and um i i managed to get a a flight jacket out of it too because um the guy i was beating up um the guitarist from the band aggravated assault which warren mika was the lead singer of um, was trying to get away from me, and I was holding on to his jacket for dear life, and he ran down the uh, road with me still holding it. And with Everyone one shoe. After the best dress one. <laughs> and with one shoe. He only had one shoe as he ran down the road because my um, my um, one of my people was beating him down in the street, and his shoe fell off, so my, uh, my friend grabbed the shoe and just started whacking him over the head with it. Um, it was funny. It was funny. I um oh, yeah. I, I almost started <laughs> laughing until he pushed them to me, and I said, "Oh, I got to do this too." <laughs> ah, fun times, fun times. Fuck yeah, dude. <sighs> all right, I gotta well, like, see all that out in my head as you're describing it. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. I, I'm all um, for punching Nazis. Fuck. I have. He has a white power. He has a white power had a white power patch on the jacket when I when I pulled it off of him. That patch is now hanging on my wall. <laughs> the jacket is somewhere around here, but I yeah. but I bastardized the living daylights out of it. I put like Earth First patches on it, anti-racist action on the back, you know. Hell and yeah. A, an, an inverted Fuck flag it. on the shoulder. <laughs> it's a punk rock trophy wall. 
Oh, yes. I don't know where the heck it is. I got to find it, though. But I can't find it now because I have to leave you. <laughs> it's been an awesome conversation, though, and I'm really looking forward to you coming back. Um, you know, just let us know when you're down and we'll schedule it. Oh, Good most luck certainly. in Tennessee. Um, Stay safe. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We will. We'll be fine. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, um, hopefully, we'll be okay. Well, we'll be okay. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, I'll let you know how things are going on. Um, I haven't even talked about where you can find me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so for those who are trying to figure out where I'm at, you can also um, you can find me at onepeoplesproject.com, idavox.com, um, idavox.com. Um, That's our news line. Um, one People's Proj at One People's Proj on Twitter. Um, idavox at idavox opp on Twitter, and my personal account at D Lamont Jenkins, where I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. So, um, and you can also, if you can, um, if you can help us, um, maintain this office and anything like that, um, we got t-shirts, we got, um, buttons, we got beanies, um, or you can just straight up donate, just go to onepeoplesproject.com and you can see exactly how to do all that. That's it. All right. Sounds good. Um, when we post, the or when we schedule the stream, I should say, I'm going to put in the descriptions all of those links. Um, okay, and I'll also send you the link to um, rebroadcast it if you want to. Okay, uh, not a problem. I would definitely um, shoot it out to everybody once. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna uh, also uh, hype it up before the show tomorrow. So, um, fear not. Awesome, sounds good. Um, um, all right. I don't know if you're see it yet today. Last night I kicked the poster out and I did tag you in it from our page. I saw. That's what so I was talking about. I'm going to be sharing that. I'm going to be sharing uh, that. And we'll, we'll have an actual like um, event link that we can push out to. Uh, that'll be later today after I, you know, schedule it and get the descriptions all good to go. Beautiful. Excellent. All right. So until next time, I'll be talking be with safe. you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. Take care. Appreciate all the work you're doing out there. Much love. Much love. Indeed. Okay. Always got to give the Vulcan. (laughs) Right. Um, So basically, you know, join us next Tuesday for our current event stream. We're going to have Will Win, the Star Trek communist. Um, and then next Thursday, we'll finally be getting back to Eldridge Cleaver's Soul on Ice. Um, of course, you know, we're available on podcast platforms. We're, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter, at For We Are Many Too. And, uh, of course, the mothership, ForWeAreMany.org. You have anything else to add, Trisha? You covered it all. So I'm just like nodding and. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll see you guys Tuesday. Uh, Fuck yes, indeed. Look forward to that conversation as well as continuing this one when Daryl comes back. Amen to that. (sighs) I am so thankful for him and the work that he is doing. 
He is fucking inspiring. I'm over here going full-blown fangirl because I love what he is doing. I'm not ashamed to say that I am going fangirl over his, his work. Even just digging into, you know, what I've been able to see of his work so far with skin and with alt-right Age of Rage. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's got to be so trying to have the patience to continue to do this for decades when it comes to things like this that are traumatizing to even witness, let alone experience. And he is tenacious as fuck, and I love it. Agreed. We need more Daryls out there in this world. We really do. Still agreed. <laughs> Not surprised. Anyway. Um, all right. See all of you Tuesday.